In this episode, we continue our discussion about contraception. Join us as we work through this complicated issue to find what God's Word says about it. I'm Pastor Philip Jackson, and this is the Married Now What Podcast. last week. This is Blue Letter Bible. They have an app that you can get on your phone that's incredibly helpful. Um, here's something that is, this is a tool that I use really, really often. Okay, so let's go. You can choose a, a Bible translation. I prefer the New American Standard. Um, actually, let me show you this. I don't know if I've ever showed you guys this before. You may not have ever seen this. Uh, where is it? Ah, here we go. So just like any language, the Bible is translated in on a spectrum. Okay, this is there it is. Ooh, right there. Okay. So on on one side you have so say for instance. Lindsay and I are uh, trying to have a conversation, but she only speaks Spanish, I only speak English, and Johnny's our translator. So, so as I speak to Johnny, he's going to translate to her in one of two ways. He's either going to translate word for word exactly what I say, or he's going to take the general gist of what I've said, and he's going to communicate that to her. Okay? So when you're reading different translations of the Bible, the same spectrum applies. So all the way over here on this end of the spectrum is an interlinear. This is literally Greek and English <coughs> words right on top of each other. And since Greek is an ancient dead language, ancient Greek is, the words aren't necessarily in the same order that we have in English. So an interlinear Bible is going to be, um, show you exactly what Greek word goes with which, which um, English word, and it'll be good for um, integrated Bible study. So all the way over here on the other side of the spectrum is a paraphrase. This is the general gist of what's said. So this is an interlinear on this end. On this side over here is a message Bible. So the message Bible is basically just the, the gist of what uh, it means. Now, now, anytime you're thinking about a Bible translation, um, in most cases, almost every case, translations are done with committees of scholars. So you have a team of people who are experts in that specific language who take the ancient text and then they turn it into our, our language or whatever language that they're translating it into. The message was translated by a guy named um, Eugene Peterson, um, who is a um, who's a scholar, good person, uh, godly man, uh, has written some really great work. But um, since the message is just kind of the general gist of what the scripture says, it's not really it's not the best for um, expository teaching or digging deep into God's word. Okay, so if you if you're for instance if you're reading a passage and you're having a hard time understanding it. You can read it in the Message Bible to kind of get a better feel for what they're actually talking about. Generally, the most basic Bible study that you can do is to read different translations of the same passage in English. Okay, so you might start a New American Standard, and then you might read either the Holman or the Christian Standard Bible, the New Revised Version, and then the Message. Typically, if I'm taking my initial pass through a passage of Scripture to teach it, I'll read from the New American Standard, from the Holman, and the Message. Just Three, three, three passes through the same thing. That way I can kind of get a general gist 
of what the Bible studies, of what the Bible is actually saying. So, in order for you to do Bible study, just be aware of this. And the reason why there's multiple different versions of the same translation is because language changes. The best example that I've heard is the word nice. When you think of the word nice, what do you think of? That's nice. <laughs> that's nice. Something that's generally fond or, you know, positive. Well, when the word was originally used, it meant stupid and ignorant. And it was actually a demeaning term. So you say, how was, how was your date with that, that gentleman? Well, he was nice, right? In the old sense of the word, he was an idiot. In the new sense of the word, he was generally pleasant, right? So word, words change, especially within the English language. So just like every other language. So that's why, like the NASB was originally written, I think, in the 1960s or 70s. It was revised in the 90s, and it was revised again in 2020 because words change and words matter. So people who um, will say, for instance, that the King James Version, specifically the 1611 King James Version, is the real translation of God's Word into English, they are 400 years removed from context. There are words that were used in Shakespeare that are not used today. Um, ass is a great example. <laughs> yeah. So, back to Blue Letter Bible. So, check this out. Let's look up. So, when you look up a passage of Scripture, here's each verse individually, right? Okay? So, you can... Let's go down here. Let's check this out. So, verse 5. Okay, let your gentle spirit be known to all. The Lord is near. So you can hover your cursor. You can do this on your phone or on the computer um, at hand. So it's close. It's close in proximity, within grasp. So if you click on tools here, this shows you the interlinear. So you have, you have the Greek words right here next to the English words right here. Okay? And this gives you um, not just the words themselves, but also you can click on this cursor right here and it'll it'll pronounce them for you so you know what it what it says. I don't know if the Strong's G thirty-nine fifty-six. Pass. Pass. Okay, or you can click on the word here and it will pull up the definition of that word. Okay, so now this is where things get super fun. Because words can mean different things. So for instance, pass means to all or generally um, everyone. But look at this. There's two different definitions. One says individually and one says collectively. So which one is it? So you can scroll down here to the bottom to this lexicon and it'll show you passages where each verse is used. So we're looking specifically at Philippians 4. So we can... Philippians 4 is the first definition, so it means to everyone, not just individually. Okay, so we're not going to spend a ton of time here, but I wanted to show you this because this can be a really useful tool if you're doing inductive Bible study on your own. Blue Letter Bible is one of those things that um, you can use to go a mile deep. It also has commentaries in, um, embedded in it, so you can come over here to Tools. Go to commentaries, and it'll pull up all these different commentaries. David Guzik is one of my favorites. So you can click on his commentary, and he goes through, and he's formatted this really well, so the bolded, version, the bolded words are uh, quotations from the actual text itself. So you can go through and 
and uh, gain context of these passages of Scripture. This is one of those tools that is that I use every day, every single day. So Blue Letter Bible, if you don't have that on your phone, I would encourage you to download it. Okay, now we need to answer these questions. I was looking at our board from last week, and we have a number of things that we talked about. But uh, the question was raised about contraception. Do we have, what does the Bible say about contraception? And we came up with a number of different questions, how they fit in. Um, and as I was thinking about that this week, I thought we need to answer this first question first. Do we have the authority to plan our family? So as is our, as is our custom, I'm going to pray for us, ask the Holy Spirit to teach us, and then we're just going to explore. Okay, so let me pray. Father, thank you for today. Uh, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would give us uh, wisdom, that you would give us insight into your word, that you would teach us what is true. And Lord, I pray that uh, we would lay our opinions to the side and um, our tradition to the side and that you would teach us what your word says. Um, help us understand these things. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. Where do we start? Questions or thoughts? Thoughts. Let's just throw them out there. Let's just discuss this, and then we'll see what uh, what the Lord brings to our mind. Do we have authority to plan our family? Let's talk about authority. Do we have what do we have authority over as human beings? What's God's word say? Over the animals. Yeah. <laughs> Just speak it out. Speak it out, Aubrey. You can be bold. The animals. All of creation. That's true. Where is that command found? Genesis. Genesis. What? Where in Genesis? Let's find it. The beginning. In the beginning. That's a great. Yes, Genesis in the beginning. That's correct. Where specifically? Genesis 1, 29, 22, 29, 30, okay. I think. Genesis 1, when you get that, read it up, John. Oh, uh, 29, oh, uh, 26. It's 28, where he says he... Read 26 through 28. Okay. Uh, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule over the fish, rule the fish of the seas, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. God also said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth and every tree whose fruit contains seed. This will be food for you. For the wildlife of the earth, for every bird of the sky, for every creature that crawls on the earth, everything that I, everything having the breath of life in it, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. Okay. So we do have authority. There's a word that stood out to me here. Verse 28, he says, Then, then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. What does that word mean? You know what? If only we had a 
resource to be able to look it up. <coughs> Anybody have any ideas? What is subduing? To tend. Ooh, tend, conquer. Bring into order. Bring into order. The word that my Bible uses is rule. Rule. Good word. Total domination. Let's see if it'll pick it up. That was verse 28. Okay, here's, here's Genesis 1 28. Let's look at this word and see what it says. Multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. It's the word kabas in Hebrew. There's a definition. To subject, subdue, force, keep under, bring into bondage. To bring into bondage, make it subservient. To subdue, force, violate. To subdue, dominate, tread down. Okay, we've got a couple of different definitions here. So what is the most precise? Looking for Genesis chapter 1 right here. Okay. Right there. Subdue, dominate the earth. Genesis 1.28. So we look up Zechariah 9.15. When you get there, read it out loud. The Lord of Oh. Go ahead, Lee. Uh, nine. Nine. Sorry, the Lord of hosts will defend them. They will consume and conquer with the sin stones. They will drink and be rowdy as if with wine. They will be as full as the sprinkling basin, like those at the corners of the altar. Okay, so what's he talking about in that verse? Conquering, right? Talking about ruling, okay? So that means that we have been given the authority to rule over the earth. So we're, we're looking at this in the context of of authority to plan our family so that means that we have the we've got the authority to to rule to be in charge of okay so does that mean from initial look that we have the authority to plan our family that i think so okay so what are other things that we have the authority to plan if we have been given authority over all the earth what else As simple as our actions, our thoughts, our words. Yeah, our lives, our jobs, our whatever. Okay, so if if you have been given authority for something, um, does it mean you have the ability to just own it? If you're given a job and the authority to rule within a the context of a an employment, do you have to go to your boss every two seconds to, to approve every single task? No. no, right? There comes a freedom within the authority. Okay, so this is good. So we do have authority. Um, what about uh, when it comes to our family? How does the, what does the Bible say about um, children? We are to teach them in the ways of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Called to teach them. That's true. So, yeah, let's put that. Uh, I'm trying to think how to... Responsibilities. 
Okay, we're supposed to teach our children. Okay, where is that in the Bible? Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Do you have a chapter, Meg? What other responsibilities do we have while she's looking that up? Care for the el care for the uh, orphans and widows. Pastor just taught about this. This is James chapter one, verse twenty-seven. Deuteronomy six seven. Deuteronomy six six seven. Okay. Um, how does the Bible feel about children? We've talked about this for the last several weeks. <laughs> They're blessings, okay. So, children are blessings. Let's just write that here. What else is a blessing? Trials. Trials are a blessing, that's true. Spouses. Spouses, there it is. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think specifically says that a wife is a blessing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's accurate. Where does it say that? That a wife is a blessing? Yeah. Ephesians? Well, and in Genesis when he said God saw that the man was alone, he was like, That's not good. This is true. Okay. This is one, two, one through two. I believe it's in Proverbs where it says the wife is a blessing. Proverbs eighteen again. Proverbs eighteen twenty two. Proverbs eighteen twenty two. Okay, where does it say that children are a blessing? Psalms twenty seven. Psalm 127. Okay. Let's see. Um, anything else that pertains to our families that are blessings? Isn't I'm, it in Proverbs too that it talks about like not just your wife, but like your um, your home, your your inheritance is a blessing from the Lord. Yeah. Everything that's yeah. How about heritage? Okay. Okay. Our heritage is a blessing. Okay. We need to find a reference for that. I think you're onto something, but we need to find. Remember, we want to back this up. Is there anything else that you can think of that are blessings from the Lord? No? Okay. While we're looking up heritage. So this begs another question. So we have the authority to bring all of creation under submission, to dominate or to subdue it. Um, does that imply that we have to, that we should, um, to me this comes down to the word stewardship. Right? Because a steward is one who is responsible for other people's stuff. 
So stewardship is another word to define what God's word has told us that we are. Okay? So when it comes to stewardship, should we regulate these things? In other words, should we have intention and design in how, how these things are in our life? Yes. I think so, right? So a farmer, if they're, if they're going to subdue a piece of property, they come through and they measure it. They till it in rows. They organize it. They plant the seed. They don't just throw the seed in the air and let the wind plant everything. Everything's done with intentionality, right? Okay, so also think about this. Um, should we regulate whether or not we have... So if wives are a blessing from the Lord, does that mean that we should have... More than one? No. Why? It says so in... Uh, you saw how well that worked for what Solomon said. <laughs> yes, okay, yeah. Great point. So, yes, a, a wife is a good thing and a blessing from the Lord, but there is, there is a biblical truth about, you know, having one wife. Let every man have his one wife, uh, have his wife, and let every, man, every woman have her husband. Um, we see this, even though it's not explicitly said in the Bible, thou shalt not practice polygamy, we can, we can understand the, the biblical principle of monogamy within marriage for life. Okay? So, yes. So, we can regulate this. Um, now, particularly, we're looking at children. So, if we use the same logic about children, and we have authority over creation... Do we have the authority to plan our family? What do you guys think about that? I believe like anything, like with the freedom that the Lord gives us over these things, there's clear boundaries within that freedom. Like you said, there's a boundary to only have one wife. Whereas, like we were talking about the different modes of, you know, um, family planning or whatever, and the world believes that abortion is family planning, but it's really murder. So that would be outside that realm. That's a clear boundary. That would not be something that we would take part in. So. Mm -hmm. Yep, I can see that. Any thoughts? I think from the realm of like having children, the scripture teaches us to go therefore and make disciples. And that doesn't always, that doesn't inherently mean to have like as many children as you can and only teach your children about scripture like that means to make disciples of other people like teaching them in different ways so i think we need like i would i would say that god's will is for all of us to have a child in our life maybe not because we don't know like his full plan i guess so that's not i'm speaking out of turn in that area but I think it's really hard for people to say like, oh, it's not God's will for me to have a child. Like that, that's a detriment, like it's destroying to somebody's like spirit to say that. But that's, I think that's also within God's like realm of possibilities. Like for my, for my mom, for example, I can speak about her and be confident in what I'm saying. She wasn't able to have children at, like physically and for different things that had multiple miscarriages. And so she had given up on the possibility of having a child until somebody taught her 
like about adoption and then adopted me when she was 41 years old. Mm -hmm. And so I think what we're doing here and talking about children is we're trying to make a cut like hard and fast cut and the decision of like how many kids we can have or whatever, but that's not the question. It's how do we plan our family and planning a family? I think we are putting it in a box of like, how many kids can we have? Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's the truth. I think the truth of planning your family is how you're going to steward those under your own leadership. That's a good point. It's a good point. Okay. So do you think that we have answered this question? Do we have authority to plan our family? Or are there still things that we need to understand? Speak freely. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so? Genesis 1 just touches on, I mean, the nouns it uses in that sentence are the, you know, the fish of the sea, birds of the sky, every creature that crawls in the earth. It doesn't necessarily give us direct correlation between the creation, like the life itself. Uh, which I believe God gives as a gift. He imparts that to us, and you know, so I don't think we have substantial background in Scripture to say, you know, we we have the authority to dictate when that life comes about, whether it does or doesn't. I think God, you know, we've seen the stories of Sarah, Elizabeth. We know that God imparts those things. Mm-hmm. You know, so I I'd like to. Pro- I mean, I think we probably need more evidence to say that we have authority outside of just saying we have authority over the physical earth, but. I don't know where that's found yet. Mm-hmm. That's just what I think I'm talking about. Yeah. And that brings up an important point that we need to be uh, content to be silent where Scripture is silent. Mm-hmm. Right? And so when we have an absence of clear direction from God's Word about specific things, like for instance, do not murder, that's pretty clear. Right? <laughs> Got it. Um, but when it comes to things like this, where it, liter- it doesn't literally tell us in black and white or in red and white, do or do not do these things. We've got to let principles dictate how we how we make our decisions. Um, in Psalm, so like just up from Psalm 127 about children, um, the very beginning of Psalm 127 talks about, unless the Lord builds a house, it's build their labors over it in vain. Unless he watches over a city, the watchman stays alert in vain, et cetera, et cetera. And then it goes on to talk about um, sons are heard from the Lord, children are a word, arrow in the hands of the warrior, blah, blah, blah. So if you do... Uh, BLB for build. Um, I did this earlier in the week, and um, it build is rebuild, establish, cause to continue. But uh, down the way there, it says to be built up in parentheses of childless wife becoming the mother of a family through the children of a concubine, which is something we've talked about before. Which you know, not so specifically that example, but just the general idea of um, you know the fact that that specifically is talking about bearing children or the process of bearing children, establishing a family, Mm -hmm. um, that unless we are building this family, establishing this family, building whatever family there is to have, um, you know, unless we're building it under the um, direction of the Lord, we build in vain. I mean, Mm -hmm. obviously, that's a duh thing, but... um, I appreciated seeing that such a specific example to what we were talking about. Um, and I think I read in like Spurgeon's um, like a sermon notes from him that talked about kind of the specific thing of how much are we responsible for and not. And he was talking about this passage in Psalm 
that um, you know it, we can use the excuse sometimes of saying like, "Well, I'm trusting in the Lord," as a way to sit back and mm -hmm. you know throw up our hands and just wait for Him to you know fairy godmother our lives. Spurgeon didn't say that, but you know. Um, <laughs> Megan Hallwell translation. <laughs> yeah, an old British fairy godmother. Um, but just that, it, like he even said, that if there's one thing that um, Christianity cannot uh, uphold is laziness. And so, mm -hmm. um, you know, that this is not that. Putting our faith in the Lord is not an opportunity for us to take our hands out of the game. Mm -hmm. He calls us to have action, to take part, to use our mind, will, and emotion. And so, um, I don't know, I thought that was poignant to our discussions mm -hmm. recently. No, I think you're right. I think you're right because the whole, the, I think the principle of this passage right here implies that we have a responsibility to actually take possession of that authority. Right? It's not just about saying, oh, well, I get the authority to do whatever I want. I still have to do my job, right? And that leads to the question. I'm going to go ahead and put Psalm 127 here. Does heritage, does that, is that defined by biological reproduction? What does this mean? What does that word mean? Heritage. Culture, where you come from, genealogy. Mm -hmm. Those under your tutelage. Yes. Tutelage. Tutelage, great word. Great word. Can you spell that? Yeah. T-O-O-T? No. Possession, property. Portion. Portion. So going off of, Megan had said that the one example is the birth of a child through a concubine makes a woman a mother. So think of when Ishmael is born to Hagar, um, he is actually Sarah's, Sarah's son. Why is that? It's because, the, because he's born into a household of worldview, right? He's born, born into a household of faith, a household of, of uh, his heritage is not that he is the physical product of Sarah's body. He is the product of the home, the discipleship that he is born into. Right, that's how you can claim someone to be your child when they're not biologically your child, according to, in the biblical sense. So a heritage is something that has to be built by the Lord, right? So what did Jesus say about um, the wise man and the foolish man? What do they build their houses on? The wise man builds his house on what? The rock, the solid surface, right? And the the foolish man builds his house on the sand. So same thing is true here. So when it says that children are a heritage from the Lord, it goes back to what Johnny was just talking about, about the responsibility to disciple those that are underneath our care. Same thing Stephen was saying earlier. Um, okay. I feel like we're not really ch chasing rabbits here. I think we're, we're making some progress. So let me flip this over again. All right. This is our board from last week. So, yes, we've answered this question. I think we do have authority, but just like Becca was saying, I think that there are, um, there are some boundaries. So, we're going to say yes here, but with boundaries. Psalm 16, right? Psalm 16? Isn't it? Uh, the boundary lines are falling from me. I don't know. That's a, that would be a great reference for that. Well, then. Stand by. Don't trust my owl brain. 
<laughs> okay, let's yeah. see. Lord, yes. you are my portion and my cup of blessing. Behold, my future, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I have a beautiful inheritance. Psalm 16? Psalm 16. Solid. Okay. Now, we've got about 15 minutes here before we finish. Um, so we have... I'm doing this same thing as you guys are. I'm not preparing anything. Just coming up. Let's put some references next to these questions right here. Um... So we talked about these a little bit last week. Uh, let's see. This question right here, I don't want kids. Um, I don't really understand that. These are reasons why people wouldn't have children. For those that weren't here last week. Um, are the reason they use con The reason they use contraception. contraception. So those are the reasons we came up with. Yeah. Um, what passages of scripture can we put with these? Right here, we did this a little bit last week. But let's write them down. That first one's a bigger issue. Yeah. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your hearts. No, I agree. So that? I don't know. <laughs> Psalm thirty-seven. I agree with what you just said, but I also think a lot of people don't want kids because they're like fearful. Like it's out of fear. They don't want their their kids to have their childhood, or they don't, you know, or they're worried about the like, complications of childbirth or whatever. Mm -hmm. So. Um, or other things that are on their selfishness and their work or mm -hmm. um, freedom to travel or whatever. They they want their own life. They don't want the responsibility of other kids. So, so weigh that down. Scripture for responsibility and fear. Mm -hmm. Well, if we... Yeah, I think you're right, Johnny. This is probably a bigger question for next week for us to tackle about not wanting kids. But I... My initial thought is that to not want children is to not want to make disciples. I think of it as the same thing. Because one of the, the, the purposes that Scripture gives us to have children is to not just reproduce biologically, but to reproduce people of faith. Right? When he says, be fruitful and multiply, he's not just saying, go and make more babies. He's saying, go and make more of my image bearers. That's what he's saying. So what about the financial burden? What Scripture... It's tied to this. Matthew 6. <laughs> Matthew 6. Johnny knows. The most overquoted passage from Philip Jackson's life. <laughs> um, this the, might be a bit of a stretch, but doesn't the Bible say something to the effect of, <clears throat> like, you should, if you can, it's, it's hard, but if you can abstain from marriage and all that, it's better to yes. do that. But it also says, you know, don't lay with each other before you're married. So wouldn't that include not having children, since that's how children What do you mean? Come? So if you do pick the life of... Celibacy? Celibacy. Wouldn't that include no children? It would, yeah. At least biologically. Right. Biologically, not, You're still yes. called to influence, you know, yeah. as a Christian. That's not, true. Not, and if you choose that life, children you're choosing the life of discipleship to... Right. That's, That's true. true. So there's no way that you're going to escape the responsibility to disciple. Right. Right. And celibacy implies that you would never be married either. Is the qualifier what are kids? Is it your influence? Yeah, I think biological. Change? I just think we're really quick to lump to actually separate kids and disciples. Like your your diligence for both of them should be the same. 
Except your kids fall under your own financial burden, pretty much. That's a good point. It's a good point. They're not similar. They're not separate. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, not the, they're the same. They are. They are the same. Yeah. Just <clears throat> Philip's not responsible to pay my bills. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you want to Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, true. I mean, there are boundaries to the authority that you're in. Unless you feel called. Yeah, unless you feel called to pay my mortgage next month, I mean, you can. I'm not going to stop you. But I think probably we, this, is, this is probably a question we need to tackle another time. Um, what about darkness in the world? About not wanting to have children because of how bad things are? Well, you just said it. Right? Go forth and multiply. Yeah. Go forth and multiply. Brittany, what did you say? Yeah. He's overcome the world already. Ooh, yes. Romans 8. Which I'm trying to remember where that's going. <laughs> My guy. Romans 8. If you guys ever get, like, wound up about how bad things are, just read Romans 8. It just, it'll, it'll jack you up. Yes. What can separate us from the love of God and height and death? Oh, man. Yes. Um, 2 Timothy 1. Six says, therefore I remind you to keep ablaze the gift of God that is in you through the laying upon of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fearfulness, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. That's one seven. Second Timothy one six and seven. Okay. So, okay, I'll go through and make this somewhat prettier next time. Um, health reasons, mental, physical liability. Is there a, is there a uh, a biblical passage that can go with that? Wasn't Hannah older and not considered to be a young mother, and she was still given the ability to have kids? I think Sarah. Sarah. There yeah, we go. Sarah. That's true. That's a health reason. That is a health reason. <laughs> I'm too old to have children. I mean, my mom had my youngest brother at 45. So there's that with no fallopian tubes. So there's that. Lord does open and close the loop. As we say, we say, uh, she's not old, but she would be considered a geriatric pregnancy if she were to get pregnant <laughs> right now. Advanced in years, yeah. is what it says. What about these others? Although I'm still unsure if there's a black and white all-encompassing answer for the contraception question itself, I would say that the boundaries um, there's the clear physical boundaries as well, but they go deeper as like, is your reasoning, like your prayerful reasoning behind waiting to have children or like using contraception, is it a worldly reason um, or not? Or is there such thing as a non-worldly reason? I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I think that the boundary issue goes deeper. Like, where are you mentally? Like in your walk with the Lord, can you honestly say that like, He's guiding your steps in your decision to plan your family. Mm -hmm. I think when you talked about Hannah getting pregnant too in the Bible, like she had to physically break down and get right with God before He blessed her. Like her mental state was more selfish ambition of wanting a child because of like her circumstances versus she realized that she had to trust in Him solely before she could. Not saying like He's gonna bless you when you trust Him solely. Not saying that. Mm -hmm. But, like, the mental aspect kind of pushed. Yeah. I can't help but think about some kids that I knew growing, growing up, though, that, like, 
they had a lot of kids in their family and their parents were not, they were just stretched so thin to where a lot of times kids were helping raise kids to an unhealthy extent. Like their parents, it was almost too much for them. And like, is that something that we, I, I have my personal convictions mm-hmm. on that, but like, is that something to be considered like in your family planning, like when is, when can you decide what is too much for you? And is that legitimate or, or are we quick to call that worldly um, to, to steward our, our mental health and physical capabilities around children? Mm-hmm. I've just seen, I personally have just seen some harm from in childhoods um, from having that and just like the weight of an adult responsibility put on young children because of those choices. Not saying that's necessarily good or bad, but it it was what it was. Mm-hmm. So that's a that's a, a good observation. I mean, I um, in in my mind, coming from a big family, I've got seven siblings, and we weren't. I mean. We never went hungry, um, but it's everybody. Every family is different. Mm-hmm. Something that comes to my mind. So, when when I was about eight or so, my folks we moved from Vergris to the country, to a to a. My dad bought like 40, 40 acres of like pasture land. We moved in this little fourteen hundred square foot house. So there's five of us kids. And my parents, one bathroom, three bedroom, little farmhouse, seven foot ceilings. And all of us are, you know, relatively tall people, yes. except for my mother. My mother's is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're not Derek Day tall. I got a story for that one. But, but what's, what's interesting is that um, me, so there's, in our family, there's five children. My mom had two miscarriages and two tubal pregnancies. And then, um, so there's a seven-year gap, and then there's three more children. So the oldest of the younger three is 10 years younger than me. So all five of us older kids were in this little farmhouse. Me and my three, three brothers, we shared a room. Um, me and my little brother, Stephen, shared a twin bed until I was 12. Um, like, it was, we were packed like sardines in a can. So my, my parents were like, we need to build the dream house right this is like the top of the hill of the valley humongous like they think of like the ponderosa and banana like it's like this huge giant house right we go from 1400 square feet to 5000 square feet and we uh what was interesting is when we moved into the big house i was 12 and everybody got their their little universes me and steven got our own room the older brothers got their own rooms my sister got her own room all the stuff. And what I found is that over time, by giving us that space and our comfort, everyone became, became defensive over their things. And it actually caused division. Um, and it actually fractured the family more than it actually made us stronger. And so we, when we had our girls, we made the conscious decision to make them share a room, even when we had other bedrooms for them to move into, um, until they were I can't remember how, how old were they when we moved into their rooms. And those are freshmen. Oh, so 14 and 12, mm-hmm. basically. They moved into their own rooms. Um, and they had bunk beds. 
And one of the things that I've realized is that that season of my life, like it would, we, we had no room inside. So mom would kick us outside all the time. So I'm, we're part of the Oregon trail generation. We kind of tail end of no internet, internet came around about junior high, um, for us. And, um, it was, uh, I think back on the stress of that. I know my dad was like stressed to the max. In fact, he's just in a perpetual state of stress even now. Um, but from the inside, what I saw as a child was, um, it was awesome. So that kind of goes to the worldly and the biblical sense. So there are worldly families that have tons of children and that goes, that happens. But then there mm -hmm. are homes where they're the husband, the father mm -hmm. has his leadership over the home and things fall in order. I mean, I don't know. That's true. Stewardship We're called is a to big be piece. leader. Yeah. You're yeah. called to be the leader of the family. Um, and then that, if we follow the biblical order, one having one child or having ten children, I mean, you're following his plan and stewardship of your children and your marriage and your home, women, steward of your home. Like, I don't know. I mean, I do think that's where it comes from. I've just seen it get to a point where it's, like, neglectful. Yeah. Um, and so that... Yeah. That's where it's like, okay. Well, then there's homes that are neglecting one child. Exactly. Too, so. Exactly. And so I, I think that's something yeah. that you just have to. Well, there's a difference in should we as a couple within, you know, our own hearts and the, the, the Lord's stewardship of our marriage, should we use contraception versus should anyone? Like those are two different yeah. questions, right? To answer, mm -hmm. do we use contraception? Should anyone use contraception? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are our decisions for using or not using contraception? And then what are the universe's appropriate decisions for using or not using? Yeah. Those are completely separate. Yes, mm -hmm. they are. Maybe foundationally the same, but there's a lot to be considered when you go outside the boundaries of your own marriage. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's true. I think that's true. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Well, um, we'll keep chipping away at this. Next week, we'll we'll um, we'll dig into this question right here: the difference between natural family planning and hormonal contraception. I think we pretty much have already drawn a hard line between uh, preconception and postconception uh, options. I have a comment on that. Yeah. Um, not all IUDs are actually preconception, like the copper IUD pair guard. Allows fertilization, so I would maybe make a differentiation between because yeah. um, not okay. all IUDs are created the same. Mm -hmm. You kind of have to do your research. Okay, so I'm gonna I'll, should I should I list it also over here? Um, Perfect. Because yeah. yeah. like, they can put it in after. Okay. Great insight. Yes. See where were you last week? <laughs> 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 I'm just kidding. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to like and subscribe to our content. We are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Married Now What podcast is a ministry of Evergreen Baptist Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's meant to be a resource for in-depth Bible study for couples striving to build their lives on the truth of God's Word. For more information and additional lessons, please visit our website, evergreenbc.org.